This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic. Jokic. 23. Welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports. And it's time to talk about Game 2 of the playoffs, the Denver Nuggets, which did not go well. Uh, Denver lost 124-105, got thoroughly outplayed. Um, They actually played decent in the first half, but just got the doors blown off them in the second. Jazz shot 20 of 44 from 3. They were 51.7% from the field they had 32 assists against just six turnovers uh Nikola Jokic had 28 points on 21 shots which wasn't bad 11 rebounds six assists but his impact was um it wasn't enough overall there wasn't much from Paul Millsap Michael Porter Jr. really only came alive in garbage time in the fourth quarter um just not enough overall for the Nuggets and they needed some more assistance but to get into all of that, and there were a lot of things to get into from this game, I of course had to have on the great and insane Matt Moore from from the Action Network. Uh, he's great. He is one of my favorite people to talk to. We are at Nuggets games together and sit next to each other at every damn one of them, it seems like. And he's always had a very interesting perspective of the Nuggets. So I brought him on to discuss a lot of the issues that Denver is having in games one and two and tried to address some of them going forward and see what potentially the Nuggets could do to fix them. Uh, so it was a great podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I had recording it. Just a reminder as well, this podcast is brought to you by Thera1CBD by Theragun as well as NFLSundayTicket.tv and Bet Online, I'm about to give you a whole lot of words about Therawan CBD coming up here in a second, and you'll hear more about the other sponsors going forward. They are awesome, and we really appreciate all the sponsors that help keep this show going. So make sure you go support these. You'll have a link in my bo- in the description of this podcast for Therawan CBD. But it is time for our first break. To tell you about Therawan CBD, and I will be back on the other end with my conversation with Matt Moore of the Action Network. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everybody understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD projects. Started by Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated 
natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, that's when he created TheraOne. That's to bring you CBD products done right. There are a lot of CBD products that claim to be organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion as your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. So this is what you gotta do. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne projects or products. But you've gotta go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. All right, and we are back with Matt Moore of the Action Network. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to sit here and talk about all of the negativity surrounding the Denver Nuggets after their Game 2 loss to the Jazz. And <laughs> MPJ had that one good defensive possession. MPJ had that one good possession defensively, so it's okay. It was a glorious defensive possession, Matt. And the length is so clearly an impactful part of this game. Although, let's be real. He might have been more impactful defensively than Paul Millsap was tonight. So I don't know what that actually says about the whole Nuggets team, but that is concerning in its own right. Um, As you already know, the Nuggets got obliterated by the Jazz, 124-105. The Nuggets play seemed like the the score should have been somewhat closer, but no, this game really wasn't that close. Um, What was your initial takeaway when the final buzzer finally sounded uh i think honestly my biggest takeaway is um now when the buzzer sounded when the buzzer sounded i was just like wow they just shot the lights out and denver's defense is terrible upon further reflection i think my big takeaway is if good process does not lead to good results denver does not maintain good process yeah that's a big part of it so um you know, Donovan Mitchell had 57. So you want to go ahead and make adjustments. And they did that. They actually, I thought in the first half, I thought they made quality adjustments uh, to contain Mitchell and it worked. And the jazz made just enough to establish a lead. And then the bench played extremely well and got them back into it. And then the jazz surged ahead because I thought, I thought the second stint from Joker was what doomed them. Honestly, is that, they lost momentum when they got it, got the lead and Joker played absolute like just garbage in the last five minutes of the half. They closed on that run to get the lead. And then at that point, then Malone is forced to go back the other way and say, okay, since you're not going to make the right rotations, I'm going to, I guess we got to switch on him. And so, and then Donovan Mitchell's like, if you're switching on me, I'm going to shoot every time. If yeah. you're switching on me, I'm going to shoot every single time. And if you don't, 
if you don't blitz me, if you hedge, but you don't blitz me, I'm probably going to shoot every time. And if you don't put ball pressure on me, I'm just going to shoot every time. And that's what Mitchell did. And then once Mitchell got hot, then, it, and then like the whole team got going and it was an avalanche. And then honestly, by the midway part, and like, I didn't understand why Malone played the starters the whole third. I kind of get it because I think his thought process was let's make this pu- like most of the third. I thought it was like, let's make this push yeah. um, to see if we can get back into it and let them play their way out of it. The problem was like, if you go to the bench, then Quinn Snyder is going to be like, all right, let's go to the bench because I need to, I can steal minutes now. Yeah. And the, the bench made the run in the first half. And then you got a chance to maybe get it manageable. But when said what happened was the the jazz started or the nugget starters were tired. They had very little energy. They kept hitting threes. They kept getting down on themselves and then they just stopped giving a shit. And then like, once that happened, they just went full bore and then they're just raining and they wind up shooting 57% from three through three quarters to a degree. A lot of this is in my experience is very visibly like Denver, Denver in the third quarter, the starters were like, not today. Yep. Not today. The problem is like, uh, they they are not good enough to do that and they still have not grasped this and i don't know why they haven't grasped this i don't know i don't think they can i don't think it's in their mental makeup to grasp the idea that we are going to have to absolutely just scrap and claw and kick ass for four quarters if we're going to win any playoff game and if we do not do that we're going to lose almost all of them and that combined with an unsustainably hot Utah game gets you your result. It's so weird because Denver has these gritty games. Like it's 100% within their wheelhouse to be able to do these things. It just, they can't do it when they need to. It absolutely blows my mind how they can be this. I I don't want to use the term soft because it's not the right term, but they choose to let go of the rope as Malone likes to say. And they act like they're this team that has been there for so long. And again, in the post-game pressers today, I thought it was encouraging that they weren't panicking. They weren't all just like going off the handle about how bad things were, but there was almost an unnerving amount of uh, contentness with how things went. And I don't know if that's going to be, you know, absolutely represented behind the doors, but it was interesting to see that they were kind of taking the veteran team approach that this was one game. We can still come back from this. We already beat them when Mitchell had 57. So we're going to run it back and make sure that we take our time with it and just kind of flush it. That was very unnerving to me. Yeah, I think a lot of it with that is, well, there's, there's two things with that. I think one, they really do look at this as an unsustainable performance. Yeah. Um, they're just like, look, man, they're just hitting everything. What are we going to do? Like, they're just hitting everything. We're getting runoffs and they're still nailing threes. They're just bombing. I can't, you know, we can't contain Mitchell and close off the shooters. You can't do both. Mitchell's too good we have to give up something can't give up go bear dunks to the rim. Like if they're going to, if Jordan Clarkson and Yang and um, Ingles, which that's a different one. <laughs> we'll get there. Be left open. But if all these guys, if all these guys are just going to hit all these threes, if they're going to shoot 57%. Uh, how are we going to keep pace? And, you know, I think some of that is them accepting like, okay, not our day. The problem I just think is like, look guys, it's, it's not going to just flip back the other way next game. Like you're not going to, you're not going to shoot like you did in game one. And then they're going to go back. Like they'll, they'll probably dip back. But if we look at like, if everybody goes back to equal and you're still giving them open looks and they're giving you contested looks, you might still win because Michael Porter jr. Can hit contested looks all day. Yeah. But you know, the numbers on this, I think, I think were really bad. Um, they got out of rhythm. The jazz blitz on Murray 
which I yeah. very like initially yesterday I wrote a thing that was like, Oh, I think that the nuggets have more adjustments they can make. And then this morning after listening to the athletics, Tony Jones's podcast, I was like, Oh my God, they're going to blitz Murray. And I went back the other way and I bet on the jazz money line because I was like, they're, yeah. they're going to blitz Murray and it's going to completely screw up the nuggets. And lo and behold, Murray was just stuck and they didn't, the biggest thing it took away was what killed the jazz in game one, which was the Jokic Murray pick and roll into the pick and pop. You didn't see any of that. Joker didn't take hardly any threes today. And, you know, if you take away those points and there's no, there's no threat of spreading the floor, what this basically became was just like a three point shooting contest. And the nuggets don't really have great shooters. They just don't, they don't have great shooters. They have, they have guys who can hit threes, but that's different from having great shooters. And that is a huge liability, I think, that we're seeing. Yeah, even if the Jazz shot a, like, a very league average level from three tonight, the math game is still entirely against the Nuggets. And there's not a way right. to fabricate anything to fix that. And I think that's what we're really seeing, too, is that they're just going to make Nikola a score as much as they can. I've been very impressed with their ability to cut off passing lanes and take away easy buckets from this Nuggets team. And it has completely changed the fabric of what makes their offense functional. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the Nuggets can adjust as well either. I was very taken aback by how well the Jazz adjusted in the second half compared to the Nuggets adjustments. Donovan Mitchell was mic'd up, and there was a moment where he says, I see something, I see something in the middle of the game, and they showed it on the TNT broadcast. And that is immediately when he started rejecting screens when they were trying to hedge out or blitz him or just fire away whenever they were switching. Mitchell started to see different ways to attack this Nuggets team, and the Nuggets were able to adapt the jazz were just the better adaptive team tonight and are today i guess i should say because it was a two o'clock game but i don't know if the, the nuggets did not adjust in the same way and i don't i'm concerned that that might become a theme because these two teams do know each other so well and i did think the nuggets had so many ways to adjust and just none of them panned out today yeah i mean he can reject the screen but there are counters to that a lot of this just gets into like so much of this is just execution and this is where malone yeah. has such a problem in terms of like once i started to see it his way it made a lot more sense because like i'm always like why are you guys dropping down in the paint like this like what yeah. are you doing and you saw it a few times in the first quarter they blitzed hard they contained Jill picked his dribble they had to reset the offense and now all of a sudden because it's an extra second you have time for help defenders to get where they need to be and you can recover and like there's more awareness but if you don't contain on the blitz then all you're doing is putting all you're doing then is you're just oh and what they i thought this was really notable what they did was they overload they ran all side pick and rolls yeah so they stopped going high and they started running side pick and rolls and in doing so they just overload like if the nuggets are going to put two on ball and we've got one in the corner well guess what now three guys are on one side of the court, which means that the paint is wide open unless the weak side sinks down. And then and the so, corner is wide open, which we yeah, and Yeah, and that's the thing. If you can't make the corner reversal pass, like Jamal Murray struggles with, like he's not a great – he doesn't do great reversing, reversing the ball. Yeah. If you're Mitchell, though, and you're huge, and you can jump pass, overhand, two-hand, Jesus. sling it – directly to the corner then you're getting great quality looks from good shooters and like that's that's honestly to me where i'm just like look at some level you've got to put more like honestly a lot of this is you gotta stop babying Jokic. yeah like you have you have to make it and say 
Joker, there's not going to be help behind you. Yeah. There's not, we can't help. Like we cannot help because if we help then we give up the corner three. So we're staying home. Like I, I literally would, and like, I'm, always say like Michael Malone knows more about basketball like he's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know yeah but there's absolutely no question in my mind that if I was if they asked me what to do like number one thing is I'd be like face guard Joe Ingles do not leave him under any circumstances Mm -hmm. I do not care what is happening I don't care if it's a fast break four on one you face guard Joe Ingles because it cuts off so much of their offense if you just stay home on Ingles just stay home just because he doesn't want to shoot contested. Ingles is a smart player. He's not a gunner. He's not going to yeah. just rise up and fire over you. He's only going to take it if he knows that he's got a high percentage chance of making it. So stay home. Just stay home. But the problem with that is, like, if you, if you go back and you watch these possessions where they overload the side, you really do realize, like, if they don't bring help, they got a wide open layup. Like, Mitchell, because nobody can yeah. contain. Like, and now one of the reasons that the bench did well, because Mason contained. Like, Mason did very well in containing on ball. And early in the game, Joker did well. And then Joker came back in that second quarter and was just like, eh. I don't care. Yeah. And it's just like, it, that, that ain't good. And I get it because, like, look, Joker's carrying an insane amount of offensive load. You yeah. know, like, if you told me, like, if you tell me Joker through three quarters had, was nine of 19 for 22 points, 11 boards, six assists. I would have been like, oh, like Nuggets are up by three. He was yeah. a minus 23 in that stretch. Like they, they just beat the snot out of the starters. And um, so let's, let's go here. I want to ask you about this. At the beginning of the year, there are suggestions from various people that Jeremy Grant needs to start over Paul. I was, ju- was going to go here. I was waiting for this. So continue. Yeah, and I fought it tooth and nail and was pretty upset about it because, like, I'm like, Paul Millsap's a four-time All-Star. He's the best defender on this roster. He's a veteran guy. He's the best free agent Denver has ever signed. It's a bad sign if you bench him for trade asset, unproven, you know, 25-year-old Jeremy Grant. Plus, Grant's defense has never been that good. Yeah. Um, The real problem is that if you put – Millsap used to be a guy, even last year used to be a guy, that if you put him on the floor, his defensive acumen would raise everybody else's – the floor of that defense to a level that was like, okay, they'll give up 112, but they won't give up much more than 112. Now the situation is if you surrounded Paul Millsap with four quality defenders, they're giving up 101. Like they'll be excellent. Gary Harris and Paul Millsap together this season, 101 defensive rating. If you surround Paul Millsap at this point in his career, with Jokic giving half a damn Murray, who I don't even think with Jamal, it's an effort thing. I think he's trying. He physically can't. Um, Tori, who is trying so hard that off ball, he's out of position. <laughs> and Michael Porter Jr. Just lost. Who's just, just a duck, drunk, waddling <laughs> down the street quacking and hoping that he'll flap enough but he got big wings and he can big fly. wings big wings <laughs> you know great rebounder ready to get that bread but he'll swoop in on that bread but doesn't know what he's doing yeah then the floor is no longer as low now defensively you're talking about 115 120 125 i don't think the defense is noticeably better with jeremy grant on the floor i i really don't i think unless Gary Harris 
get back soon. Very soon. Like, they're just going to be a terrible defensive team. Um, and a lot of this is like, I, I will say, I tend to put the most of it on, on players. Like, there are certain coaches, if I walked into this and I was like, the game plan was bad, right, then I, could, I would blame them alone if I thought the game plan was bad. I actually don't think the game plan was bad. I don't think the game plan was bad at all. I think the execution was garbage. Yeah. And that to me leads back to Nikola Jokic. And I get that it's hard. Like this is honestly, this is what I've been saying the last day when LeBron's like, it's different, man. The the fans aren't here and all this stuff. And I'm like, I get it. I do. I understand like being away from your family. That sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. Like being locked in this place with there's nothing to do. sounds like my house, but still like generally speaking, it sounds rough, Yes. but I am still just like, I get it's hard. This is the job. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, and if you didn't want to go, you didn't have to. If LeBron had said, I'm not going, there's a pandemic. No, the league would have been like, well, see you next year, folks. Yep. Does March like, sound good when we can get fans yeah. back in the seats? Like <laughs> March, March, we'll see you in March. Okay, cool. We'll see you then. We're going to lock it. We're going to have a lockout now, by the way. You're going to lose all this money. Just see you now. So, um, but, but with but, this all, but like, and, and I get the, yeah. The Jeremy Grant part of this, I understand he doesn't make their floor higher. This matchup in particular gives Jeremy Grant more validity at the starting power forward position in game three going forward than it makes more sense playing Paul Millsap at this point. And this is not an indictment on Paul Millsap. He just can't close out from defending the paint when you're running side pick and rolls and then getting all the way back to the corner to be able to contest that shot. Jeremy Grant at least has the physical capabilities of making that kind of a move. And I think that's a big part of this. So I think the biggest thing here is that Malone's going to have to rethink his configuration. Um, mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is Malone in this series has typically just been like, and the point guard will, will guard the point guard and the shooting guard will guard the shooting guard and the small forward will guard the small. Like the only switch he's made is Tory starting Donovan who's playing point. But what he actually probably needs to do is put Jamal Murray on Royce O'Neal, put Jeremy Grant on Joe Ingles, yeah. put MPJ on Jawan Morgan, who's just happy to be there, <laughs> and then keep Jokic on Gobert. And if you do that, now all of a sudden it's like, because like Jawan Morgan's not posting up. No. Jawan Morgan's He's not running. in the corner. Jawan Morgan's not a pick and roll threat. Mm -hmm. Jawan Morgan's not handling the ball. Like he's sitting in the corner and then all MPJ has to do is crash and recover. And that's actually something he's really good at because he plays hard and he has tools. So he's able to swing the wild arms. Yes. To be, like I don't mind his closeouts when he realizes he needs to be doing them. Um, but this is one of the problems. It's just like there was three sequences today in the first half where um, the Nuggets were hedging and with the bench unit, they were switching and then when MPJ got back in with the starters, he was like, and we're switching. And the starters are like, no, that's <laughs> yes. Donovan Mitchell. Yes. We're never switching against him almost ever. And then, uh, that, then they broke contain and there was one sequence where Tory saved him. But, I, you know, Tory's done really great on Donovan. Like he got loose in the second half because they had to switch up coverage. It's going to take a village versus Donovan Mitchell. But I just think at the end of the day, a lot of this is they need to play drop. Um, they need to, here's the thing. They need to be able to play drop. Yes. This, that's the key of it is they need to be able to play drop. And right now they can't because their guards can't get over the screen and Joker can't contain. 
and neither one is happening. If you've only got one, you get largely game one. Like that's yeah. what you get is game one where Donovan Mitchell goes supernova and nobody else does anything, right? If you're just like, okay. But over the course of a series, the Jazz are just like, we're just going to run you off of 50 screens. Yeah. If Jamal Murray wants to try and get over 50 screens, good luck. If Torrey Craig wants to try and get over without fouling. And again, like this is where, unfortunately, it's like, why don't they have anybody else and get over the screens? Well, they do. They're just all hurt. And one They're is all more hurt. in the bubble. They're all hurt. Yes. So this comes back to my point that I want to make, which is without Gary Harris, Donovan Mitchell playing at this level, not 57 points, but this type of a threatening player, is he unsolvable for the Nuggets with the current people that they have on their team? Like, I understand there's different things you can throw at him, but Michael Malone threw the whole playbook at him. They were blitzing, switching, hedging. They were dropping. They were playing different bigger guys on him. They were trying to play smalls on him and getting into him. Like, they, they did not have anything that they could do he had it a counter for everything so I'm, I'm at the point where without gary harris i'm not sure you have options i mean i i think there's two things you can do um you either you, you have to go further because one of the problems that they're having is they hedged today they didn't blitz them yeah their entire thing was we're going to show and recover because you're worried about the gobert lob and i get that because rudy's a pain um, but honestly, just like Rudy Gobert is not going to beat you in this series. That's the thing. I would let Rudy Gobert roll as much as he wants. If you can just pick him up high enough and make him a short roll player, you win the battle. Well, and the, the other thing is like the hedge works really well against guards that can't get the edge and have to reset. Like that's where you can really frustrate players. Cause it's just like you create a wall yeah. and then they're like, crap, I have to back it up. And now your defense has time to recover, but you have to execute it well. And you can't, honestly, with a guy like Mitchell, you can't just be like, I'm at the level of the screen. You have to be like, I'm in your grill. Like, you have to blitz a little bit more. Like, they got to chat. And the concern there is that Mitchell is going to, he's going to do two things. He's going to speed around the corner and get the shoulder and get the foul. Or when they dig on his handle, he's going to go low and then he's going to flail mm -hmm. and then he's going to get the foul. But I'm just like, look, you're going to have to take these risks. Like, you can't, you can't just be like Donovan gets to do what he, you can't, the biggest thing in this game, I think is you can't make it as simple as you can't present simple options. You can't make the options easy to make where it's like, okay, they're showing. So I'm going to make this easy pass to the corner. It's going to be a really difficult pass. It's going to be hard. It really is to me about execution. Like they're not executing the stuff that they need to do. Right. And like, I think the other thing you can do is you can do the opposite, which is you can go back to the game one strategy, which is like, we're going to drop and we're going to exhaust him. Yeah. And Donovan's going to have to score 57 in order for them to have a chance because Donovan's going to like Donovan will have a game where he doesn't shoot. Well, like I love Mitchell have loved him as a pro loved him as a prospect, mm -hmm. uh, loved him as uh, a rookie. Think he's phenomenal. Think he's incredible. Great passer, which you saw today, but he will get tired. Like he just, We'll have a game where frustrated and that can swing things. But you and so you can drop and just be like, we're going to really focus more on containing Gobert. Um, yeah, there is one more other thing, which is you can do basically you can blitz, but you can play zone behind it. And I think that's probably like the way to go. I've like, been wondering about that. Don't crash. Stay right in the middle where you're like, because uh, especially well, you can Grant, just zone gaps at that point. Well, because part of that is Grant can hit the weak side block from like the baseline, right? So like if it's baseline, he if the ball goes underneath to a guy that's that's cutting underneath, he can get back and challenge enough of those. Like they'll give up some, but this is like a lot of this just gets back to Malone's entire philosophy, which is he's trying to prevent. And it's not wrong. Like the cores of basketball are like dunks, layups, threes, 
free throws in that order. He can't one playing this gigantic no like forty four attempts. Like you just got to stop them from from taking them. Like you got to make them drive a little more. Joe Ingles has just been surgical when it comes to that too. Like his ability just to find the inferior defender on the floor and just toy with them. It, it has completely screwed up the Nuggets defensive game plan because they're collapsing so early. They're giving up the scramble immediately when they get blown by and there's nothing they can do to fix that. So Joe Ingles, like you can get the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands. Joe Ingles, especially when Mike Conley comes back, is going to be such a threat that they cannot answer as well. I'm seriously concerned about how the Nuggets are going to deal with the ability for them to go side pick and roll, top of the key, and then run another side and pick and roll with one of Ingles or Conley, whoever has the better matchup. I, Denver without Gary Harris, you're seeing the value there now. And I don't know what they can do. Joe Ingles has been so good against Michael Porter Jr. and has made him look like he has no idea where to be, which he does but it's completely frozen Paul Millsap as well. And I don't know what they can do about Joe Ingles if he can just consistently find an inferior defender and just torch him. Well, I, I think that's where we just put Grant in. Like yeah, you put I think Grant right. on him. You put Grant on him because I think Grant can switch. Part of it is you have to, I think you have to have a mindset of what Ingles wants. Like Ingles is not going to look at Jeremy Grant and go, not gonna be my time now like joe ingles is gonna be like um no he's faster and will block the snot out of me i'm gonna pass this and then all you have to do is like you have to just stay contained and if they run pick and roll then then you blitz if you blitz ingles he will back off yes ingles is not athletic enough or good enough like if you blitz him he's gonna back off but you have to apply pressure that's that's the mistake i think teams make versus ingles is they're like oh ingles is running pick and roll i'll take my chances with an ingles don't do that don't do like Break that down. If you break that down, then they have to reset, and the Jazz are in a late-game offensive system, like, trying to figure this out. Now, they'll, they'll have answers, especially with Conley back. Clarkson was that today, right? Like, a lot of 911 stuff from Clarkson. Um, and that's why he's there. That's why he's so helpful is they need 911 options. But I do think that, that you can blitz angles, put a little bit more pressure. Like, that's, just, that's the most of it is, like, Denver, Denver was good if, uh, defensively early in the season because they were aggressive at the point of attack. And since January, they have been coasting and they're still coasting in this first round series being like, being like, ah, we're just going to contain them. They won't make enough shots. Like this jazz team will make enough shots. They sh- they showed you today. And like, maybe that's the big swing here. It's like, okay, all right. If they're, you know, maybe they come out next game and they're super aggressive, but the part of that's my thing is like, I would rather they be super against this team. There are others that I don't feel that way about against this team. I think it's better to be super aggressive and mistake prone than it is to be cautious and passive. Yeah, I agree with all of that because they need to gamble a little bit and they need easy points. Like Denver is not getting very many easy points in this series. And that's a good transition because we have literally talked about defense the entire time we have been talking. Is there anything offensively that came to your brain that was like, okay, there is something off about Denver right now. And I'm not necessarily sure what's going to change. Or, or is it in your eyes, shots didn't fall. Like Nicola missed 18 floaters. He hits every single night tonight. So it, where are you at with their offense right now? I mean, I'm only going to look at the first three quarters because I don't yeah. care about the fourth Yeah, 100%. Quarter. Okay, they give up and it was done. Um, MPJ was six of 11. Uh, Millsap was two of five. So it's like he made two, missed three. That's not a great number, right? But he's also, I would rather him not take more shots because sure. he's given up a lot of size and again, he's older. Um, 
Torrey was only 0 for 1. He only took one shot, and they were trying to make him take shots, and they didn't, they didn't let the Jazz just dictate that. Yeah. Um, Jamal was 6 of 13, which is looks sounds better, I think, than what than actually how he played. Yeah. Um, you know, he got he tried, I think, in that third quarter to try and force something with the and one that was maybe mm-hmm. his last bucket there. Um, but like overall, I didn't think like Jamal wasn't just chucking it up over three guys. I thought that was fine. Um, they 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 took Jamal out, and Jamal's not at a point where he can do much more. Uh, Monte was three of five. He was great. Uh, Jeremy Grant was three of eight, two of seven from three-point range, but I felt all of the Jeremy Grant threes were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. think that they were bad. Um, I would have liked to have seen him maybe go off the ball more, but he was playing a lot with the starters because he played 21 minutes more than Paul. So, like, 21 minutes, comma, more than Paul. Um, so, like, that was part of it. So, when I look at this, like, the only number that really stands out is Joker finished 9 of 19, and, like, four of those misses were on that one possession. But that one possession was, again, if we go back, like, we know that that second quarter run, like, that's where it fell apart. And it's, like, Joker missed a, missed a bunny, and he missed another bunny, and he missed another bunny, and he missed another bunny. And at that point, your Joker was just like, well, I guess it's just not my day. Everything <laughs> is ruined. And then, like, just that was it, you know? And it's like – I, I, he missed another one a few minutes later and was yeah. really frustrated by missing the bunny. And I get it, but it's just like a lot of it is when I, I look league wide and I try and establish the, you know what the difference is between the Denver Nuggets and the Toronto Raptors? What? Honest to God, besides just like basic defensive physical <laughs> capability. The biggest thing is that the Toronto Raptors, uh, the Toronto Raptors know how to win when things don't go their way. Like that's an extremely important part of the playoffs is things didn't go your way. You didn't get shots to fall. You didn't hit your bunnies. You couldn't create easy looks. They took out your starting point guard with a blitz scheme. Um, the other team was making shots. How, like, how do you win? Like if you can't play your style of basketball and what you want to do isn't working, how do you find a way? And great teams do that. Yes. And Denver can't. And that's why Denver's not a great team. Like, they're a really, 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 really good team. They're just not a great team, and that's but why. I don't get why Nikola can't be that guy. And again, he's a bird. He does whatever the hell he does. And we can't necessarily quantify the way he decides a lot of these things. But last year in the playoffs, he did these things. Okay, oh. Jamal Murray's going to get frozen out. Oh, he's going to have 12 points. We're not going to get anything from our bench. He was able to handle whatever matchup was in front of him. Of course, it's not Rudy Gobert. But he has a long track record of being able to handle Rudy Gobert. So the, the Nikola Jokic urgency doesn't seem to be on the same level it was in, the, when he was in his playoff debut going back last year. Well, I thought he was phenomenal in game one. I thought he was good in the I second half. He was great in this game. I, I thought, thought he was Sorry, go I ahead. Know. You there? Are you there? Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Make you your point. Ahead. Make your point. Um, I, thought the, I, thought the, I thought the effort was there in the first half, and he just, it just wasn't working. And then the second half, he figured it out and got it going. Look, in 20, he only played 26 minutes today, yeah. right? Only, only played 26, 22 points, 11 boards, six assists. Uh, 22 points on 19 shots is not efficient. He didn't get to the free throw line enough. He was only three of six. Um, but, like, if he played a full game, he's looking at, like, 27, 28. Mm-hmm. And he was still getting buckets on Gobert in the third quarter, but they just weren't getting stops. And, like, again, like – that's where it just it became this whole like you can just tell the whole team was just like god like they hit so many threes that 
they held onto the rope until that third quarter. And then they were just like, we just can't do anything. Like, what are we supposed to do? And they, I don't, I don't know if giving up is, I rarely say that giving up is a good sign, but I've seen a lot of teams. Like, I think part of it, this is what kind of gets lost is we think of these things in very cliche terms, right. Of like, mm-hmm. they never give up. They always have a chance. They're champions. They're, They're always, always in it. They're yeah. going to make it, make you work for it. The Warriors were not like that. Like the Nuggets are not the Warriors, but I'm just telling you, like the Warriors had a lot of games where they're like, eh, like even playoff games, they'd just be like, it's not our night. It's not working, you know? But I I do think that to a degree, a lot of it is um, offensively, the the Jazz plan is make him a scorer, take away the passing. And so I don't want to go here, but I do. Do it, please. I think you got to run two man game with MPJ a whole lot more. And that's not going to be an easy conversation or transition because Jamal Murray has zero interest in that concept. But like, like that Jamal's going to look at game one and be like, look what I did. Like I won that game for us. I won game one for us. And I would be like, yes, you absolutely did. Which is why they've decided they're not going to let you score ever again. Cause they yes. know that's why they lost game one. Like, Jamal was the tactical adjustment in game two for the jazz defensively. Like that's the adjustment they made was, okay, send more pressure at, at Jamal and get him, get the ball out of his hands and make Joker do everything and make him have to score. And it worked. But now yeah. if you put MPJ in the two man game and now it's like, okay, are you going to send help? Because if you don't send help, they're going to eat you alive. But they just don't do that. For whatever reason, they just don't. And MPJ is finding these buckets anyway because he's really talented and really good. But, like, you have three stars now, especially, like, MPJ's offense can essentially replace Barton and Harris. That's how good he is. Yeah. Like, he's capable of doing that if he gets enough touches. But you got to give him enough touches. Like, yeah. the touches Barton would have had, some of those need to go to MPJ now. And the touches that Harris – Harris would have had some of those need to go to MPJ now, not all of them, just some of them, but their offense is, is, is way too much. Like we're going to try and make you commit to this pick and roll, but the jazz were very much like, okay, look, cool. Joker's going to win the, the go bear battle, but he's not going to win enough times for you to beat us beat shooting threes. Yeah. I completely agree with this. And the, the, the one thing about the, the, the Michael Porter Jr. two-man game with Nicola is it's funny because Nicola at multiple points, whether he was running actions with other people, was actively looking for Porter and was trying to use Murray's gravity to get Porter open shots, especially in the third quarter. It was like a point of emphasis, which is not necessarily a thing that Nikola Jokic does on a day-to-day basis. So to see him do that, it makes it so clear that Nikola knows this is exactly what the Nuggets need to do to try and diversify this offense because for how unbelievably dynamic that they could be they are one of the most predictable offenses right now in terms of just we're going to run a two-man game with Nicola and Jamal and hope that we can create something with our two best players that is so incredibly predictable and you're not creating advantages and you're not creating different mismatches in different parts of the floor and using Jamal Murray as a screener to open up more things in this two-man game like there's so many ways they could diversify this offense and they're not and I that part is a little bit lost on me I'm not sure what the reasons are behind it it could be a whole lot of they haven't had guys there because guys haven't been healthy or they haven't been in Orlando or whatever it may be but there's a lot they can do with this offense to make it less predictable but unfortunately it's just predictable mm, I see that I don't agree with like, that's a that, that, that's what I would refer to as a Mares take um and so <laughs> as much as I love Adam Mara, Damn it. <laughs> um 
like here, I didn't think this is part of it. Okay, so if you're the Jazz, right, and it's like we're gonna run all this complex motion off ball to try and get guys free. Like let's say they add in some of those concepts like the heat run, like lots yeah. of off ball multi-screen action. Uh, you can do that. The Jazz in those sequences, because of the personnel, if it's MPJ and Craig, and you're just gonna run those two. Okay, you have Gobert as a backline defender. They're going to probably send a hard show at MPJ to deny that pass, let Craig cut back door, and trust Rudy Contest because that's where Rudy's awesome. Like, the worst-case scenario for the Denver Nuggets is Torrey Craig trying to score on a cut <laughs> versus Rudy Gobert. Yes. I love Torrey, and he's played I great. He played awesome defense in the first half versus Donovan. Like, not, today was not on Torrey at all. No, um, not at all. But some of this is, like, you have to have such high-end weapons. Mm -hmm. Always. Like, if you have and, – and here's – take Craig out and add Will Barton. Okay, well, Will Barton is going to catch that and shoot, shoot a short-range, mid-range jumper, and he's just going to can it every single time. Yeah. If you run MPJ with, with Millsap, you have to have enough space in between them to get Millsap that kind of space because his release is slow and it's hard for them to get that catch. You also quite honestly need Jamal to be able to make that jump pass and he's short and that's another yeah. problem. Um, there's these things that you can do off ball in order to create these things, but in the playoffs, especially you're just not going to catch guys napping all that often. Like they just do not, they don't get caught off guard. And a lot of the complicated stuff is you take advantage of guys not paying attention. Like that's how, that is a lot of it is like you can rack up points in the regular season by, and I, I'm literally saying like, this is what the heat do is the heat are always like, yeah, so they're just not going to want to get out and really stay focused on us. So we're just going to slip the big out of this off-ball screen. And it works almost every time that Kelly Olenek gets an open three. And if they switch it, then you've got Kendrick Nunn on a big or Duncan Robinson with space. And, like, that's how they just – they kill teams with that stuff. It's hard to incorporate that stuff into Denver because they do not have the shooting capacity. See, and I disagree with it in one term is and using the same heat example. When you're using a guard that has shooting ability here in the heat example is Tyler Hero setting an setting a screen for Jimmy Butler in that C corner action that the Nuggets love running with Porter. Where Porter's in the corner, they send Murray to screen for him and then Murray pops. You either have to switch it and then all of a sudden Murray has a big on him where he can back him out or you have Porter coming across the lane with a very very big target in a very good spot on the floor. And like those kinds of motions don't they, they don't exist. They're just not running them. So, like, that's the part that I don't get, is they well, do have the personnel to do these things, and they just don't do it. Can, can I, does, does throwing a lob to Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> <have to> do <laughs> no, you somewhere? don't throw lobs to Michael Porter Jr. You throw – you know, you got to just get the ball into the post. It's like a post entry to him because gotcha. he cannot get up and dunk on lobs for some gotcha. reason anymore. No, and, like, I think – look, I would love to see them run more MPJ, Jamal Murray pick and roll. I think it would absolutely screw up the Jazz completely. I think yeah. they would be mystified by what they're seeing. Um, I don't know how if that's a – I do not <laughs> – the thing is that we just tend to just be like, oh, that's entirely a coach thing in the NBA. Yeah. Even though we know that coaches don't make all the decisions in the NBA. Going and telling Jamal like, Murray to screen for the young phenom who everyone's talking about instead of him is certainly a conversation I don't want to have. Well, not even that. But if you're telling Jamal, like one, like MPJ is a terrible screener. <laughs> mm -hmm. Terrible right now. So if you tell, if you do the opposite, right? Because I would like to see that a little bit. It's like a, pick, a slip and, and pop is just tell like, hey, just show the screen and slip out here because that's all you need in order for him to have the space to shoot. Yeah. We've seen it. Like he just doesn't need any space. He'll just rise up and fire over them as they're closing. Um, 
I just, I, I will, I maintain this. I do not know if Murray has chemistry, confidence, or commitment to MPJ. I just don't, I don't know if that's the case. Like, I think that Murray has evolved as a passer incredibly. Like he's so much better than he's been in previous years. And with Will and Gary on the floor, he made some absolutely brilliant reads at times that didn't even involve Nicola. Like he just made great reads and he has comfort and uh, confidence in both of those guys. I, I just do not see that same thing with Porter yet. I don't know why. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But that's just – I never I never have seen those two work together. He had one pass today where he whipped it sideways to Porter. And I was like, okay, that's a, that's a really good sign that he's willing to find him there. But um, I do think at some point there's going to be an intervention of like, guys, we, we just cannot be posting Nicola 40 times a game. Um, especially because what you could do is you could just run double screen and then post Jokic because at some yeah. point the Jazz are going to be like, we got to switch it somewhere yeah like we gotta switch we just gotta switch it and then you'll score and if they drop Jokic will just hit mid-range jump shots over them forever so and that's and that comes back to another point is that like a lot of those double drags that they used to run like inverted double drags with Nikola Jokic as the creator or even just like they used to love running those inverted five three pick and rolls where Michael Porter Jr. would just like ghost the screen and pop out to the top of the key and there are so many again so many other things and I I wonder what is holding them back from trying a lot of these things because I feel like they're not putting attempts towards it we don't I don't think we can create an answer for that right now. I think we need to need a lot more data and seeing what Malone's willing to unleash going forward in these playoffs. But I'm genuinely concerned about, okay, maybe predictable is too far, but the fact that you can scheme this offense now. And I, I don't know how you fix that. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to put in on that? Um, I think I think my, my only thing is that um, – if Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovic are both healthy in this series, the Nuggets are down 0-2. Yeah, 100%. If Gary Harris and Will Barton are both healthy in this series and Conley and Bogdanovic are out, the Nuggets are probably up 2-0. If, uh, if everybody's healthy on both sides, it's probably 1-1. Yeah. I'm not surprised that this is 1-1. I don't think it's – I think that the reaction today – Playoff react overreactions are just a tough deal. It's yeah. just I'm not a big fan, um, especially after four months without basketball. Just yeah, like heightening the takes just, in such an extreme way. It's just rough. Uh, I just think that on some level the Nuggets are compromised by injuries. They're compromised by personnel. Um, the key has always been kind of like, can they do this? Like, mm-hmm. can they can they do it anyway? And I'm still of the mindset of like, yeah, I think they can. Like I, everyone is going to really think that they have zero shot. And I'm like, no, like they can give up 44, three pointers and 57% shooting to the Utah jazz and they can still make the finals. That's still a thing. I think that they can do that's never been likely. I've never like considered them to be a value bet for the title or for the Western (laughs) conference. Yeah. But I do think that uh, on some level, we just tend to one, people are going to react like all three point shooters when they're open will shoot. 50% 50% and that's not the case. They shoot better than they do with fans around, which is really interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. And we're learning that, but they will not shoot like the jazz won't shoot 57% from three next, next game. Now the nuggets may shoot worse. They might have one of those nights where they shoot 10% from three Yeah, because they've shot the ball pretty well. They haven't shot enough, but they shot the ball pretty well. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of the series to go. It was always going to go long. It's 
always going to be a tough series. Denver's not doomed, nor is it sitting pretty. It's going to be a tough fight. I think they're the better team. We'll see what they come up with in the next game. I agree. Uh, one last little quick rant. The having the extra space without cameras or people, I think is making the difference in people shooting. I think that the NBA needs to keep these court dimensions. They need to be able to keep everybody out with this gap because it's allowed players to play more aggressively on defense going for loose balls. It's allowed people to feel more comfortable shooting in the corners. I, I like this. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I really like the way that they have these dimensions set where there's nobody within that confine of the court that they have built in Orlando. Have you seen my numbers on home court? No. What, 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 what shenanigans are you getting into now? In the restart games, home teams hit one more three per game, which is a plus three point, point differential. Yeah. They shot, one, they shot 2% better from the free throw line. They had a noticeable improvement in offensive rating compared to the regular season they covered at a higher rate than they did in the regular season and still covered versus away teams. They home teams had a better cover rate and they hit their team total overs. What Vegas set the line at for their, for how many points they should score in the regular season. That number was 52% of the time. It's negligible. You're not going to beat the juice on yeah. that yeah. in the restart. 62% of what? the time they went over. Okay, you got to give me something to make this seem somewhat not just coincidental because I have no idea how this all fits together. Like, there is no so, home team. Yeah, so everyone thinks it's noise. And we haven't seen it in the playoffs, which I think is notable. Yeah. Um, so you could say it's no. Everyone I talked to said it's noise. The only thing I have on this is I found a study. Uh, this is the most Matt Moore on-brand yes. thing I can conceive of. <laughs> I found a study that was in the Journal of Sports and Exercise. Okay. And what they did was they got college-level shooters into a study, and uh, both men and women, and they had them in four different environments shooting mid-range and three-point shots. They shot uh, with silence. They shot with music. They shot with positive reinforcement. And they shot with negative reinforcement. So home so, crowd, away crowd. Right, basically. Or like a coach yelling or whatever. Okay. Um, now, the expectation that I had was music would be a distraction. Silence would be weird. Positive reinforcement would mean that they would shoot better over the course of it. And negative reinforcement would mean that they would shoot worse. So my expectation was positive reinforcement, silence, music, negative reinforcement. Here is the order of how they shot. Silence, number one. Music, number two. Positive reinforcement, number three. Negative reinforcement, number four. They shot better in silence and with nothing but music than they did with positive reinforcement. The fans might be a distraction. I love it. I love this take. Eliminate all fans. But this is, this is what we, we don't believe. need the fans. We don't the need fans <laughs> are why the game is bad. Everybody listening to the show, clearly Matt is saying you are the problem. So this you, is where we're at. <laughs> you are the problem this with is the, the shooting. You're talking to the person who always talks about how much they hate fans. So you found the right podcast at least to bring this take to the table, but <laughs> this is hysterical, but that that's that's interesting and now i'm gonna have to keep watching it's like i have not given two shits at all who is the home team and now i'm gonna be looking for this because i'm curious so 
Thank you, Matt, for your weirdness. I always appreciate it. Thank you for still wearing your Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs shirt because somehow that hasn't been taken off of your body in any of the podcasts or any of the interviews that we've been on together. So that's amazing. You've been awesome at the Action Network as always. And please plug all of your stuff before you go. Yeah, check us out at the Action Network. Download our app. It, the app will update stats faster than the TV goes. So wow. if, you're on, if you're out and you want like the up to the second scores, you need to check out our app. It's got great analysis. It's got win probability, all sorts of betting information, cool stuff. Check it out at actionnetwork.com. Yeah, sports betting is legal in Colorado now. So Matt Moore is now an invaluable resource to you. So follow the man. Make sure you go down there at HP Basketball on Twitter if you want all the insanity. But Matt, thank you so much. I hope you're staying safe and somewhat sane being stuck inside for as long as you have been. But hopefully I'll be able to see you out in public again soon, man. Thanks, man. I miss you. I miss you too. Later, bud. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That is promo code BLUEWIRE in all capital letters. Thank you guys for so much for sticking around, for interacting with this podcast, for sending in questions, for sharing it on social media, for leaving five-star reviews on iTunes, for leaving comments, for putting it all over the place. It really means the world to me to see this podcast grow in the way it has. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Nuggets are going to be playing again in a couple days for Game 3, and there is going to be a lot to dissect from that one. So prepare yourselves for another podcast coming in the future with a whole lot of stuff about this Nuggets playoff run. They're going to need to get it together quickly and they're going to need to find some kind of advantage to be able to get back over this Utah Jazz team but they have all of the right skills to make it happen last but not least again thank you to Thera1CBD from Theragun thank you NFLSundayTicket.tv thank you Ben Online. make sure you go subscribe to TE1 the Greg Olson podcast part of the Blue Wire podcast network and make sure you're subscribing to this show as well the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast hosted by me TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com. There's going to be more hoops, there's going to be more Nuggets talk, and there's going to be a whole lot more arguments to have on this show. So keep it locked here. We will be back in the near future to talk more about this Nuggets team. But until then, stay safe, wear a mask, and we'll talk to you guys later.
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.